I'm Helani Ellis, and this is the Exceptional Admins Podcast, where I invite admins, executives, and influencers to come together in an intimate setting. The world for administrative professionals doesn't just involve basic tasks. It includes an array of requests, challenges, and triumphs. During each episode, you'll be a witness to candid conversations and hear and join in on many, many laughs. And for those that know me, it wouldn't be complete without thought-provoking moments. The distinguished guests sharing time with us during each episode believe in the admin profession and have much to contribute to the greater good of executives, their admins, and organizations. Now, let's get to today's topic. Hi everyone, I'm excited to share with you today one of my favorite resources. I personally use this product. I've been using it for many, many years. And I'm here to promote self-care, something we should all be thinking about. Rodan and Fields. It's a skincare line. You've probably heard of it. It was founded by two amazing women, dermatologist experts in 2000, and they are continually building a product line that invests in male, female, and teens. And I'm sharing this product with you today because it's really important that we remember self-care. Sometimes it's just realizing that you've put wonderful cream under those dark eyes, you've boosted those lashes with their lash boost, or maybe you've got just a bit more glow in your skin. I highly suggest that you check them out. And I'm also bringing forward my girl, my girl Morgan, who takes care of me and she's been doing it for many years with the different products that they have in their product line. Morgan can be found at M-O-R-G-A-N-C-O-H-A-R-A dot M-Y-R-A-N-D-F dot com. So check her out. She's also on Instagram sharing a lot of great stories there. Tell her I sent you and enjoy. And it was all in an email, greatly laid out, very detailed. And then he could he could respond to it. But it, he trained me for all my future interactions mm. with executives. Welcome, everyone, to another Exceptional Admins episode. I'm very excited to be recording this because I'm doing it a little different. I have an audience today. I posted on LinkedIn and on my Instagram a link to register through Zoom to watch me and my guest today have our conversation. So I would say it's live, but it's live for just the guests that are here, not for you listening on the actual podcast. I'm looking forward to this conversation. My guest, Mindy, we're going to have so much fun. We've got a ton of great things. And the topic again, which gets a lot of traction from the administrative profession is chief of staff. Also the word resilience, we'll be covering that. Also losing and shedding the word just an assistant, the bias attached to that. So without further ado, Mindy, thank you for joining me today, virtually here on Zoom with your cocktail, by the way. What are you drinking? Thanks for having me. I'm just having a little white wine. A little white wine. Okay, I have vodka and soda. One of our other guests, she stepped away to go get her drink. So that'll That's be great. That's my other go-to. <laughs> your other go-to, yeah, vodka and soda. So- I know Mindy and the story is so fun about the two of us because of the way that we met. So I'm going to share a little bit and then Mindy's going to add to the story. And we were at an administrative professionals conference. I actually looked it up. It was October of 2018. And I thought we thought it was 2017 because we had a call yesterday to sort of like kind of just button up our answers and our questions and how we wanted to spend time together for the guests showing up today. And then the episode that will go live later. And I distinctly remember sort of 
seeing her from across the room, I'm like, she's got that get shit done personality (laughs) and you call it something else. So I'll let you mention that in a minute. And we connected on LinkedIn and, and, and we didn't really start interacting a lot, but we knew about each other. We would email a little bit. We would, you know, like each other's stuff on LinkedIn. And then you reached out to me and that's really when our story expanded. So why don't you share a little bit about you, Mindy, a little bit of your background and what you remember from us meeting and then our really fun story about the job that you have today. Right. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this is my first podcast. (laughs) So please all bear with me. Um, Yes, uh, Lonnie's correct. We met, um, we did think it was in 2017, but it was the ELS forum uh, conference. And um, I highly recommend that. It's a good conference, by the way. So there were several questions answers, um, tutorials, different learning things. And at one point, Halani and I were in the same breakout group and, um, you know, more intimate discussions. And that's where we kind of got to know each other's personalities a little better. And we just clicked just on the same wavelength about all things EA and what we do. And um, it, I think it was really helpful to the group. Um, everyone was, every, everybody that was there was really helpful. And everything that they had to say and uh, give their input and insight. So that's how we met. Um, And at the time I was an EA and um, in that current position, I found myself looking for something different um, a little bit further down the road. And I did contact Talani because I knew she was the one that could place me the way that she places EAs with a more in-depth look at Um, in my thinking, I was like, if she had worked with the executive that I was with at the time, it would be a different, different situation for me. And I wouldn't be wanting to leave. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that if I was going to found a good, find a good fit, it would be with Halani. So Mm -hmm. called her up and we started our search together. We did. It's the scope of the role, which, as I mentioned, kind of in the lead, every client I work with, I love to say, what do you think you need? (laughs) And they go to the moon and back, right? They're describing all of these things that are administrative in nature. And they talk about stuff that is totally chief of staff. And I'll say, well, actually you've described a chief of staff. No, 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 no. That's too big for what we're looking for. And I said, well, today in the administrative field, that is the role that you've just described. All those things that you said, I wish this person could do for me. That's totally runs away from the word secretary, those core five or six things. And you've really built a role that has more impact um, as well as they become an expert in doing things that are beyond the core responsibilities. So it was neat when we were talking, we went to coffee, you were actively looking, you had ultimately written yourself out of your last role because you are that good, total badass. And we were talking and I was like, you're, you were interviewing for a lot of roles. You actually went through a few different experiences with me for clients that I was working with at the time. And you had told me, I wouldn't say out of frustration, but as a matter of, you had hit a stopping point. Hilani, I'm always second in line. I'm not getting the offers. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. It was very frustrating because, you know, I mean, as part of the, the journey, you, you want to get a lot of um, action and response and interviews and calls and second interviews. And I was getting all that. And I was getting a lot of positive feedback. And I was at the point probably five or six times where I was just waiting on the offer. 
and then it didn't happen and mm-hmm. it went to somebody else. And it, it was really tough because I knew I was qualified and it's, you know, especially with the ones that I worked on with Halani, it was like, okay, but I'm too much. I'm overqualified. Yeah. And, you know, do I dumb it down just to get a job? Yeah. Um, and it, but I knew that I wouldn't be happy. There were a couple roles that it was, it was great money and it was a great position and it would have been a great role, but it wouldn't have been the right fit for me. And so we just kept looking and then sure enough. And it was interesting because we got like, almost like we, we turned into sisters on the phone because you were giving me such permission to speak with candor and just kind of say, you are searching for what, you know, and sadly, because of the bias that stays with your resume, she's just an EA. She's been an EA. Let's box her into this EA role. And because you are attractive on paper and your personality and what was the phrase breath of command, which is how you carry yourself, the get shit done. There is this composure that you bring that is like, give me anything and I'm going to do it all, which is very attractive in this role because everyone just wants to throw a lot at the assistant and just let he or her really tackle everything, which is what gives us value and makes us feel good and fills us up. I specifically said to you, I was like, we're looking at the wrong jobs. You need to, and I distinctly remember what you said, like, you need to look at chief of staff. You're like, they're not going to even consider me because of that bias, because of that ceiling. And so it was a matter of like, how many times do we need to give life to the resume to get that eye on the other side of the looking HR to say, Oh, she could be a chief of staff. She's never had the title but look at all these things that she's spelling out for us that she would totally fit that role. I mean, let's reconcile job description, which are usually half-assed to her resume. And so you were like, I know, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And sure enough, I had a client reach out to me at the end of that year. And I I was trying to do the math. It's it's we're in 2021. Now I was just going to be too hard to look back in time. And I was November. Was was, it November? I I started in November. So I just hit my year, November, 2020. Okay. Excellent. All right. I was thinking it was then. So she called me, she had heard about me from other people in the community, which was amazing. She's a CEO of a large institution that's national nonprofit. And, and she was like, I've heard about you. Can we have a conversation? I don't know what I need. And I think it falls in the executive assistant title, but I I think that's not enough for what I need. And so I worked with her on kind of like helping her drill down what she's looking for, which is traditional with my clients to build very rich job descriptions. And I said, at the end of the call, I said, this is a chief of staff. She goes, that's what I want because of the respect that will come with it versus that title executive assistant. And so I met with her. And I have a soft spot for the nonprofits. And I said to her that, let me just do a little bit of legwork on my Rolodex to see who I might have initially on the bench. And I'll come back to you. And I had one other candidate that I was just like, let's have an experience. She was very young in her career, but had some gumption that was going to be attracted to that executive who now you work closely with. And that interview was great, but they didn't move forward with her. And I said, I have one more. And this is the person you absolutely need to meet, Mindy. And this is what you need to do. And you guys interviewed and it was just so perfect. And she gave it to you and you have that chief of staff role now. And we manifested that, threw that into the universe and the job showed up. And it was everything that we were hoping for, which requires patience, which requires resilience, which we'll get to in just a moment. And it's a matter of don't give up. Now, for those that are listening, it is a 
probably a gift that I was in Mindy's life to help her get through this. And I realized that not everyone has that, which is a small reason why I have this podcast for people to listen into stories and hear other people's issues and then their, their, you know, achievements so that they're like, I'm not going to give up. Don't give up and manifest what you're looking for. And I wrote it down on our notes yesterday, write down your dream job description, write it down. And maybe it's not what you have today, but it's what you can continue to work towards for you and your career. Uh, any closing, what, what do you think about that? That's the story. It's so fun of which, by the way, I've never announced this and I will announce this here. I chose to completely omit taking any money from the company so that you could get the salary that you deserved and that they didn't put that at me. So I knew I was finally helping you get your dream job and giving this nonprofit the tool you that they needed. And I've done that several times now. And each year I grant one business, my services at no charge. And that year it was them. So we'll see who gets it here in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. I do remember that because that's, you know, I was coming from the corporate world and being that this was a nonprofit, everything matched and it was the salary that was the hurdle to get over. Yeah. And Halani made that, that one exception and it, it made it work. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And, and I say that because I want people to hear that because I really am passionate about the work I do and the people that I work with. So I declare that there. Okay. So looking back yep. at all of that and everything, you know, kind of going into our questions, you know, what did you learn about yourself when you um, kept coming into second place? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that, you know, having been told, you know, having been the, the bridesmaid so many times, I knew I was qualified. I knew that I was confident in my skills. Um, I was frustrated that I was overqualified and I wasn't, you know, my brand wasn't for everybody, but in the end, it turned out in my favor. That's what I learned. Um, Don't give up. Sticking with it and really staying true to yourself and knowing your worth. Um, I didn't want to take a position. I would have because I was searching for work and I needed a job. But ultimately, you know, any of the other positions that I was the second in line for, wouldn't have been the right fit. And I look back and knowing for some of those that you pursued with me that didn't give you the offer. And I see the person that got it, not that you Mm -hmm. weren't a fit, but the one that they went with was the fit. And that's so much of the work that I do. That is really everything in HR should be about the fit. Uh, You also, when you're talking about your brand, which I absolutely love, because I talk about that a lot, that breath of command, someone gave you that, that label. And yes, um, it's, it's actually a colleague of mine in, in the last company that I worked for. And, um, you know, this is, this goes back to something that you're going to ask me here in a little bit, but we'll just skip ahead. Um, because it, it, it's being in the, the EA role. And I'm sure that you've all heard this before your role is, you're called just an EA. And the minute that somebody puts the word just in front of your title, that diminishes what it is. Mm-hmm. And I often felt like that in my role. I felt like, you know, I'm doing so much more. I've got to sit at the table. I am part of the ELT. And then I need to order lunch and get a coffee. And I didn't like feeling like that. And a colleague um, was told me that I have this breadth of command. And to people who view you as just an EA, that can be very intimidating. 
I didn't fit the Justin EA role. Mm-mm. And usually the people that want more are stuck with the majority in this career that they're just an EA, keep me in the box, don't give me learning opportunities. And it's hard to, as you even said, and my favorite word is brand. How do you display and express your brand so people know, shit, Mindy can do more than just the EA tasks, right? Those five or six things. And it comes down to knowing yourself, which you said something funny yesterday. I'm going to say it right here. The older you get, the less fucks you give. (laughs) And so so (laughs) with that, I I learned how old she was yesterday. I'm not going to say it today, but... Um, which I totally shocked me. I, I just, there's no way she's that age, but anyway, for me, I was like, I kind of agree with that. And I still give a lot of fucks in the sense of like how everyone is doing, but how I care about how I am perceived, I care less about that today as I get older. And I believe that's what helps me have more stretch in what I'm doing because then I'm not trying to stay confined to how people see me. So I'll just throw that there for a minute, um, which is a great segue to the next question. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, let's see. What advice would I give my younger self? I, I think the advice I would give myself is to know my worth, to trust my instincts. And when you know you're right, I mean, as EAs, we do a lot. We figure out things. We find solutions for things that nobody else can find. And when you know you're right about someone, or something, don't let someone else with more authority second guess you, or, Mm -hmm. you know, just doubt you. Like, if you know you're right, stick with it and fight for it. Because I did that when I was younger and I would, I knew I was right. And I knew I had the solution and somebody wasn't giving it as much thought as me would just shoot it down. And it, it wasn't the right solution. So speak up when you know, you know, and you know, sometimes that's hard to do, you know, you want your job and you want to do well and you want people to like you, but they're going to value you more if you stick with it and you offer what, you know, your expertise is nobody else is the EA. They weren't hired to do what you do. That's so stick with it. And I'm going to add to that as like the tool when you continue to prove time and time again that you do your research and that the words you're using to solidify or offer as wisdom and advice is backed by information, not only your opinion, so that over time, the trust that you're building with the people you work with, whether it's your executive or other members, they know Mindy's done her homework. They know it is not only an opinion. Opinions can obviously, opinions can get us in trouble as well. Um, So it's extremely important that the, and I was talking about this during a coaching call last week. It is extremely important. The way that we build trust with the people that we're working with new and old is constantly through expressing, I've done my homework on this. I've done my research on this. Here are the solution or here are the resources I use to arrive to this answer. You then have let them know, okay, she or he has done all the research. I can probably pick an answer and I can probably let her run with it or him run with it. So the way that you can build trust to what you just said, go with your gut. Your gut is usually backed by wisdom and experiences. Your gut is backed by the fact that we know this role in and out, like the back of our hand. Um, And then it, it, this is where managing up happens, 
right? Sort of letting them know, you know what you're talking about. And the best thing, one final thought, you know what I don't know much about that I'd like to do research and get back to you. Ooh, is that the best way to build trust with people you work with? When you admit that you don't know, you go and do research and you come back with options. Uh, okay. I'm so gonna, that's I'm great. Disagree. Disagree. Okay. Tell me, disagree. <laughs> Give me more. I, I'm going to say, I would never say that I don't know how to mm-hmm. do something. When mm-hmm. my executive asks me to do something and I have no clue what they want, I know I can go figure it out. Figure it and out. I do. And then I deliver. Then you and deliver. One of the toughest executives I ever worked for. He was eccentric. He was super intelligent. And I had to explain in great detail to him everything that I was presenting to him Mm. to sign off on. And it was all in an email, greatly laid out, very detailed. And then he could, he could respond to it, but he trained me for all my future interactions Mm. with executives. He didn't know he was doing it, but he was the most difficult one. And that what Halani was saying about my, what I present to him as here's option one, two, and three. Here's why option one is option one. Here's why option two is option. And here's my order of preference. This is my recommendation. Mm. And then he was allowed to make a decision knowing all the research had been done. I haven't had to do that since, um, <laughs> but it is a very good lesson on what we do. It's just be resourceful. And um, like I said, I wouldn't admit that I didn't know anything. I would just go figure it out. Just go figure it out. Yeah. Just go figure it out because always be resourceful. You can mm-hmm. figure it out. That's what Google's for. Um, this is a great segue to the next question. Having done that EA role for so long, and then transitioning and getting this role for chief of staff, break it down for us, the difference between them so that those that are thinking about that transition, and I'm looking at one of my virtual guests here and the other one, and maybe even the other one, what it might be that they should be thinking about as they want to expand their toolbox. What are some of the differences um, and things to work on? Yeah. In my role as chief of staff now, there is a lot less executive management and a lot more project management. Um, So I'm sure you all do project management things as an EA. So just keep those skills really honed. Um, All of the other skills that you learn as an EA. I mean, I I learned IT. I learned um, very things that wouldn't normally fall on an EA just by being kind of that right-hand person. Um, And I was always, always learning. Um, But I I think that's probably the biggest difference is that I'm not, I'm not managing my executive as much as I did in the EA role. Now it's the whole ELT team um, and it's, it's project management, it's um, multi-function cross-organizational projects. and, and that's, you know, it's just a bigger scope than mm-hmm. managing somebody's schedule and meetings. And mm-hmm. although I, I still do a lot of that, it's just, it's just on another level. Mm-hmm. I like that you mentioned project management and I liked you were talking. Um, it made me think it's really important for you guys to sit down and write down a list of your talents and thinking about putting percentages next to them, logistics, organization, um, PowerPoint presentation, Excel building, running reports, uh, creating 
white papers on the fly, doing research, uh, sitting in on calls, following up with, I mean, the list goes on, right? What, we can, what we're capable of. If you can write out a list of your talents and then maybe write out next to that things that you think you want to do. And it's great. You said, Mindy, project management. That was a big push for me last year when I was consulting with people, helping, you know, hold people through the year 2020. I said, you've got to get into project management. You've got to get into understanding. And I'm actually going to have a guest on the podcast. I'm recording with her next week about she left EA and went into project management. She's going to be able to specify those differentiators, which from the EA to the chief of staff, do you look like every other EA? You've got to show the differences. And the other thing I'd add is just, and you probably already do this as an EA, but um, whoever was in your chair before you and you come in and you just pick it up and do the same thing that was done before you, then you're not really making a difference. But when you get in there and you're like, why are we doing it this way? I, you know, we all have very organizational brains and that's how we work and, and, and that's how we function. So it's just, I look at things and I go, there's a much better way to do it. And then I just do it. And I don't always ask permission or, you know, say, Hey, what do you think about this? I'll just start doing it my way. And then if it, if it's, especially when it's more efficient, more effective, um, then it's just done. And, you know, like, Executives don't always see what you do and appreciate what you do, but they know when it's wrong. So if you can make their life easier and you can make things more efficient, then just do it. Yeah. You bring up a super great point and I'm going to give you credit when I use it in the future. (laughs) If you're filling the seat and doing it the way that the last one did, you haven't one shown your difference Two, really elevated your career. And, and I know, and I thought about it when you were mentioning it, For some EAs that might feel scary because your executive is accustomed to a certain way. And that is why you have to slowly release your unicorn status. And I've said that on a few other episodes, slowly release your unicorn status and find those small changes first so that they don't freak out. Once they see 10 steps can turn to six. Oh, wait, we've just bought back time. We always want to talk about time management and energy management. That's super great. Do you think, and I, this, this is a fly question. So this wasn't written. I'm putting you on the spot for some of these companies that are nervous of the chief of staff title and some of them. And I had another client say this to me, we really don't want to call this an executive assistant. We want it to have a higher level of importance. I totally said executive coordinator should be the title, which yes, I'm sort of pulling that from the air, but there's intention. I've got a few other EAs that I know that are at fortune 50 companies. They have that title for this very reason. People want to start getting away from the executive assistant title when they're hiring because they want that different presence. What wisdom do you have that um, an assistant could think about if they wanted to shed that title a little bit as they grow in their career? Um, good question. I actually did that in my last role um, where, you know, I had, I was his EA, but I was also doing a lot of things that were more um, administrative, like not even beyond office manager. And I, I asked him after my, I think it had been probably around nine months of time being there. And I really felt it was an industry that was very heavily dominated by men and kind of old school thinking where the EA was the secretary. And I felt like I needed a title change to command more respect. And so I asked for it. I just asked him for it. I said, 
I want to change my title. I could be EA and, um, what did I say? Uh, administrative director. Mm. And, um, I felt like they, that came with more weight and it would give me more respect. And so he did, he changed my title. Yeah. And it's interesting, (laughs) the composure and like just the, the ballsy, if you will, of just coming forward and asking that I want to touch on a little bit with the fact that that was a little risk you took. Yeah. And for assistance, we don't want to be denied. We don't want to be let down because we get our hopes up. Therefore, we choose to not take risks. And I believe in my heart that that is what continues to hold us back to not get just that little milestone of change. And if we choose to just like kind of keep everything calm, which is great, right? 2020 taught us a lot. We just love calm, just not a lot of chaos. Um, What sort of advice do you have for someone who's coming up in that confidence journey or thoughts that you have about resilience to take risks? Well, the answer to the question you never ask is always no. So say say that again. The answer to the question you never ask is always no. Mm -hmm. So you need to ask the questions. And, um, you know, I would say that kind of referring back to what I talked about earlier in, you know, not saying I didn't know something, but just going and figuring it out. And often when I did that, like I, my executive would ask me something and he'd say, okay, I need you to do X, Y, Z. And I'd be, okay, all right, take my notes. And I'd go back to my desk and go, what the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, I love and, it. and so I would just go and figure it out. And then I did it. And then it was done and it either met or exceeded the expectations. And I was like, Hey, Patrick saw on the back, Mindy, this is great. Yeah. The more I did that, the more confident I became in my Mm. skills. I'm like, wow. Okay. I can really do this. You know, Mm -hmm. sort of sometimes it's like the fake it till you make it thing, but you do it, you just do it, you figure it out. And then it's like, when it's done, you just, you feel that even if nobody else recognizes it, you know, Hey, I didn't know what the hell I was doing it. And I did it. So that and it's so great what you said and then the comment about if the answer is always no if you don't ask which is so great and it's interesting because some of the people i've talked to throughout their career i i'm blessed with permission to speak with candor with them i'll say but you keep saying you want that i don't see you doing anything about it are you going to do something about it you're going to do the research you're going to drop the plan uh at some point it's just all talk And we owe it to ourselves, which by the way, no one would realize it this way, but this is how I think of it. That is self-care when you actually act on what you want. And the act on what you want could mean doing, as you keep pointing out, which is great, doing your research, figuring out, you know, what is it going to take to get there, whether it's the project management or a title change ask or salary increase. And if you're really passionate about this career, they feel your passion and your hustle. And if not, you're possibly, you know, um, it's questionable if you love your job and if you're having a full impact. So sticking with it and the momentum and quite honestly, accepting rejection, um, and taking the risk of being able to, you know, ask certain questions. So let's go to that resilient character. Were you always this way? Like always like, like get shit done. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, So am I. (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've always been that way. And I mean, so a lot of, um, 
you know, I didn't really go to school and say, I'm going to be an EA. That didn't right. come natural to me. I, um, I mean, it actually did come naturally to me, but I, I was married young. I had my kids. I stayed at home. We moved around the country for my husband's job. He was a high level executive. And so after we divorced and I started looking for work, I just kind of fell into it. Like, oh, I'll just do this for a while. And, but it, it turned out that I really had a knack for it. And it was very instinctive. And you know, a lot of the stuff I'd been kind of doing as a wife anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, and I just kept taking it to another level and I kept working for, you know, um, more senior executives and working with different executive leadership teams and learning something from each position I was in a real estate industry. I was in software. I was in mergers and acquisitions in the building industry. And um, as EAs, we can work in any industry, but we learn something from each one that we can then take over to the next. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, being resilient and being kind of, I guess, you know, um, a, a fighter, and I don't want to be a survivor. I, I'm more of a fighter for, um, you know, one of my friends told me that I'm a justice seeker, which is maybe not the easiest thing to be. But so, you know, that, that um, you know, being resilient as an EA, I think it is, you know, I referred to earlier as being called just an EA and kind of having your role diminished when you do so much and you really do have a seat at the table and you are that right hand to the executive that's running the company so there's no reason for that role to be diminished or be anything less than anybody else on the executive leadership team. So you got to identify yourself as having that importance, even if others don't. The title is two words. The first word is executive. Yeah. Second word is assistant. And I was saying this in 2019 to a couple of women that were sort of talking about what you're saying. I'm like, let me just break it down to you. Very simple. Your title is actually two sentences, executive period, assistant period. It is not assistant only to, you know, the Dean of the university. It is executive first. And when your composure attaches or it, your composure represents executive behavior, I have an article on my website for executive composure. There is a chance to always level up on how we show up both in written and verbal, how we show up in a meeting, how we ask to say, you know what, I want to listen into this meeting and take notes for you so you don't have to. That's that permission slip to walk into that next level of being a part of those rich conversations, which then, oh my gosh, I can't believe you weren't joining us sooner. Ah, oh, yes, you'll listen to me sooner when I say I should be doing more. So I think that's really awesome. I love it, Justice Seeker. Yeah. <laughs> Would you call yourself a perfectionist or a recovering perfectionist? <laughs> um. You know, a little bit of both. Um, you know, what you said earlier, what I said about the older you get, the less fucks you give. Yeah. Um, I think I used to be a lot harder on myself than I am now. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm still um, very detail oriented, I'm not as perfectionist as I used to be. Um, you know, everything in my refrigerator still has its own place and goes back and all the labels are facing. And, you know, <laughs> my kids used to call me Monica Geller, but you know, I love it. Those I love OCD it. tendencies are what they are and they help us do our jobs. But um, I, I know, knew I, I was, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, th I think I just, I, I'm a lot easier on myself than I used to be. If I make a mistake, I own it. You know, we're not perfect. We're human and just don't try to cover it up. Just go, okay, well, you know, next. <laughs> 
moving on. I love that you say that. And it's interesting because I've said on a few other episodes, I'm a lowercase a on a regular basis, and I can turn it to an uppercase a when necessary for that reason of giving myself some more breathing room or grace. I, I, I discovered I was becoming a recovering perfectionist when I did not care how perfect the bows were on Christmas gifts. Yeah. I would re, re I don't even re, put bows on anymore. I don't either. I don't even put this year, 2020. I was like slap. I just started writing in Sharpie who it was for, for the yeah. kids. No fancy little to and from label. I was like, Martha Stewart doesn't live here anymore. I did that when the kids were younger. I put like one bow. I was like, this is, this is just how this is the jam. This is it. Yep. This is totally it, which my husband noticed the difference. So that's even more telling that I'm now. I'm sure he appreciates it too. <laughs> he did. Well, and I've said yeah. that often to other people who are either newly married or like I've been married 20 years now. I'm like, it's so wonderful when you kind of put less pressure on yourself and your marriage, you just kind of enjoy it more, which is great, yeah. which is so great. Um, any closing thoughts for us before I kind of open up a potential Q and a for our, uh, visual viewing guests. I don't think thoughts? so. I think I, I pretty much covered, um, you know, any advice that I would give, um, in any situation, unless you have a specific question. No, I think it was great. I think you gave us a lot to chew on our guests. Would anyone like to ask Mindy or me a question kind of on the theme of this topic today? Oh, Natasha. Awesome. Yes. What you got there, Natasha? I've got one. Thanks for Um, joining. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate being here. Um, Mindy, my question, I'm trying to read my notes on my first page. Um, You said that your brand, you've learned and you found that your brand isn't for everybody. What is your brand? Well, (laughs) (laughs) that is a very tough question. Thank you, Natasha. Um, I I think my brand has always been where, um, you know, that breadth of command that was mentioned earlier, that I've never viewed myself as just an EA and I would never be just an EA. When I come into the role, I come in strong and I'm, I'm pretty direct. Like, you don't have to guess what I'm thinking. You don't have to, you know... I don't mince words. And I mean, sometimes people see it as abrasive or, um, you know, intimidating, but, and that's not, I think what people normally expect from an EA. I think they expect somebody to be a little bit more docile and um, that's, that's not my brand. (laughs) I'd like to add to that because I've known her for a while, Natasha. And I, I think, well, she just sort of talked about it. She gives off the composure that give me anything and I'm going to do it for you, which by the way, cause I happen to know you, I do believe you have that as a part of your brand. Um, number two, she will not, and I'll give Leah credit for this. She will not let a glass ball that she's juggling fall to the ground. So that means we can rely on Mindy. Right. And if you were to, and this is an exercise I give during my coaching, if you were to take a blank piece of paper, write, draw a circle in the middle and write the word, my words, my brand, all the little spokes that go beyond that are the different words that you personally would choose to use to describe yourself. Great question. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Mindy, this was so fun. I'm so glad we did this. I'm so glad that we have guests that were able to come in and watch. Thank you for spending this time with me, you know, kind of after your work day. Um, and answering these questions and sharing your story with everyone. Thank you all for coming and, and listening. I don't even know where to begin. We covered so much. 
thought-provoking laughter and just great conversation. Remember, you're the reason you get up every day and work as hard as you do. Do things for you, your executive, and your organization. And remember, it's all worth it.